Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter number eight and verse one, and God remembered Noah in every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assaged and the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters return from off the earth continually. And after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. And in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. And he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro, until the waters were dried up on off from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet. And she returned unto him and to the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth, was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth, and he stayed yet another, yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him. I want to go ahead and give you my title as we're turning to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 23. I want to talk about releasing the dove, releasing the dove. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number one, when thou settest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite, Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. I want you to notice what it says. When thou settest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee and put a knife to thy throat if thou be given a man given to appetite. I want the Lord to help us. I know maybe at this point it's difficult to see a connection between these two passages of Scripture, but if the Lord will help us this morning, I believe that there's something that the Spirit wants to speak to each and every person that is here. Would you reach out to the Lord and let's pray for His blessing and His help in the remainder of our service today. Come on, I want you to lift up your voice and let's pray together right now. Jesus, 
I'm asking you, God, to move. I'm praying, Lord, for your perfect will to be done. I'm asking, God, for the moving of your spirit and the presence of the Lord to flow through this place, touching lives, meeting needs, ministering to each and every person that is gathered here under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would touch their heart. You know their individual situation, and I'm praying, God, that the Spirit would seek them out today in Jesus' name. And let's once again give praise to the Lord. Well, that's just a little bit weak. Let's give some praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. God, I thank you and I praise you this morning. I glorify your name today. You're worthy of all praise. How many believes he's worthy of all praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for standing and you may be seated. Much of Christendom today is uncomfortable with the subject that I have chosen to focus on this morning. In fact, in many church circles, the central purpose seems to be to maintain control, or better said, to keep up with the routine of tradition and just do what we've always done. And uh, the definition of insanity, I'm told, is to continue to do the same thing expecting a different result. And a lot of people expect for their lives to be impacted, for there to be a transformation, for them to be able uh, to seek a different path in life and have different results as far as life is concerned, yet they continue in the same routine doing the same things, habitually going back to the sin that has led to the problem in the first place. Now, I want you to understand right here from the outset tonight that I don't believe that a person can truly live in victory, truly be what they need to be as far as the Scripture teaches us without the help of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe, and I know that sounds simplistic, and most should understand that, but I just want to reiterate it. That's why we put such an emphasis on the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's why we preach about the necessity of the Holy Ghost. It's not just an added blessing for a person's life. It's not just something that you can have if you desire to or if you're a little bit more hungry for the things of God than you want to, uh, to take another step in your relationship with God, then you could pursue the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I believe with all of my heart that the Bible instructs us that the Holy Ghost is essential to our salvation. And the Holy Ghost is what gives us the power that each of us is going to need to overcome temptation in our life. And I can imagine a person endeavoring to live in this world and live for God in this current atmosphere that we're in, an environment that we're in, without the power of the Holy Ghost directing them. I cannot speak for you, but I need Him to influence my life every day. Every choice that I make, every decision that I make, Everywhere that I walk, I want to know that the Lord is pleased with it. And I want the Spirit of the Lord to direct me. And so therefore, if, if church is just about coming and going through an order of service and having a program, maybe hearing uh, Scripture read, liturgy, and it not really being expounded upon through the anointing of the Holy Ghost and impacting our lives and invoking change in our lives, uh, then uh, that's there's got to be something more than just that. The Scripture clearly says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And another word that can be used or interchanged with that word liberty is the word freedom. 
And a lot of people say they want freedom. A lot of people talk about freedom. But there's only true spiritual freedom when you receive the Spirit of the Lord in your life. The Bible said where that Spirit is, there is in that place liberty. That means if you're a child of God, amen, you're taking His Spirit with you. If His Spirit inhabits your life, if you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you should not be restricted at any time. You should not be hindered at any time. Amen. When you feel a need to, you ought to be able, no matter what's going on, to lift up your hands and praise and worship God. Amen. Somebody said, well, I just don't feel liberty to worship God. Well, if you got the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of you, it's up to you to take your liberty and to take your freedom and to worship God as you know how to worship Him. Hallelujah. Sometimes we depend on somebody else to open the door. Amen. We depend on somebody else to make the way for us or to make it easier for us or more comfortable for us. Amen. I'm thankful for spirit-led worship services and, and I'm thankful for, for people that come and help us and musicians that, that play and singers that sing and, and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, child of God, there comes a point and place in your life where you have to take your liberty. You've got to worship God and and praise the Lord and say, God, you're deserving of my worship. You're deserving of my praise. No matter what I may feel like, no matter what others are doing around me, I cannot depend upon them. Their lack of response is not going to stop me. Amen. I'm not going to wait on somebody else to open the door. I'm going to be the one that starts the fire. I'm going to be one that takes the initiative. I'm going to be one that swings the door open wide so that somebody else could receive what they need from the Lord. Amen. Let me just say it this way. If you're a Holy Ghost child of God, I believe it comes a point when it's your responsibility to create a proper atmosphere and environment which God can move in. It's you and your being filled with this spirit and sensitive to that spirit that is on the inside that needs to step out in faith if need be and say, God, I am going to open up my heart with worship and praise so that somebody else can also experience the power of his spirit. So somebody else can receive their miracle from God. So somebody else's life can be impacted. Somebody else's life can be stirred to change. Amen. There's people that need real change in their life here this morning. There's folks, amen, they don't need just another church service. They don't need just another traditional gathering here on a Sunday morning. Amen. That's not transformed them in times past. That's not been what has helped them. Amen to this point. But what they need is to contact the Spirit of God and the presence of God. They need the presence of the Lord to move upon them and touch them. That's what's going to change a life. That's what's going to turn people around. Amen. That's what's going to deliver people from sin. Come on, let's give praise to him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you cannot muzzle worship and have a move of God. You cannot muzzle prayer and have a move of God. You cannot control hunger and have a move of God. You you cannot hinder and stop and confine preaching and have a move of God. You gotta give it liberty. You gotta give it freedom to work in your life because the Spirit is not gonna work in any type of confines. The Spirit is not able to work, amen, where there's somebody that is trying to hold it back or suppress it in some way. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3 and 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof and but can't Canst not tell where it cometh 
and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When the Spirit comes, amen, you cannot control it. You, you, no more than you can control the wind, he said. No more than you can discern, amen, and say, well, it's going to come from this direction. It's going to be at this particular miles per hour. It's going to have this kind of effect. No, that's up to God to decide. He's the one that controls the wind. He's the one that controls the spirit. He's the one that can breathe upon a person's life. You may not feel like they're worthy, but the spirit blows where it listeth. You may not feel like he can, but the spirit blows where it listeth. You may not feel like they can change, but the spirit blows where it listeth. He's looking for somebody that's hungry this morning. He's looking for someone that's in this house that is interested and open to the Spirit moving in their life. Amen. There's a lot that can be accomplished through the wind. We see in the scripture where the wind, amen, was used to move and part the waters of the Red Sea. We read in the scripture where it was the wind that uh, caused uh, certain things to take place, such as the plagues of Egypt. It was the wind, amen, that brought the locusts, and it was the wind that caused them to disappear. Amen. We, we know that there's a lot of things that can ride upon the wind. There's a lot of things that can happen with the wind. And I'm going to tell you, there's a fog that is settled in your life, and you're confused and you're you're listless here this morning and you don't have direction what you need is the wind of the Holy Ghost to breathe upon you and when that wind comes yield to it surrender to it open up your heart to it amen don't resist it but flow with it let it push you into the things that you need from God let it bring you to the place that you desire to be you're really hungry that that there would be change in your life, that something different would come. Amen. It's the wind that is able to bring it to pass. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. It's always uh, amazing to me how tightly woven together the, the Scripture is and how that things all the way back in the very beginning all the way back in the book of Genesis, we can see how that it is already pointing to the coming of God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ. We can see a foreshadowing of things to come all the way back in the early stories of the Scripture, such as this with the story of Noah and how that God, when this world was filled with debauchery and sin and was decadent beyond imagination. And it repented God that it even made man because they had devised such wickedness and evil. And we understand that this generation that is spoken of all the way back here in the book of generation, in, in, in the book of Genesis is spoken of when describing the generation that we're a part of right now. The Bible says uh, in the days when the Son of Man shall appear, uh, it shall be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Certain instances that are, are historically uh, evil and, and wicked and sinful. Uh, the Bible points to those times and said, be ready, be aware, be warned that something cataclysmic happened. Something began uh, to get God's attention and was done uh, in that particular time as a result of man's wickedness and man's sin. And so the scripture says that, and I don't believe it's by coincidence, that the Lord chose water to cleanse the earth and the wickedness that was upon the face of the earth during that time. And that the whole earth was totally submerged with water. Amen. There, there wasn't anything that was left above the flood tide of judgment that came at the conclusion of the Andaluvian age and how that God cleansed the earth and started over 
with eight souls. Noah and his family. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. God said, I'm going to start over. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring a flood tide. And water is going to baptize the earth. And I want you to note that. Amen. When he chose to cleanse sin and chose to wash this world, it was by water. But notice the parallel here. In connection with the scripture that we read, that water came before the dove. And in Matthew chapter number 3, John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan. Even though he was reluctant to do so, uh, Jesus, for our example, he, he commanded John to baptize him. And a lot of people get confused here, and they try to substantiate a false doctrine based upon this particular scripture. And said, see here, uh, there's some things that are occurring here that... Uh, that substantiate Trinitarianism, and that's simply not the truth. The Bible teaches us that God is omnipresent. Hallelujah. That He is a spirit, and Jesus Christ is the fleshly manifestation of God. And so the voice of God that spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The word Son is only referenced... uh, only reference to here as it pertains to the physical manifestation or describing the humanity of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, and then they say, uh, well, right here is the spirit, that's the dove. Well, uh, that's not a careful uh, analyzing of the scripture. The, the Bible says that it was like a dove or it was symbolic like that. Uh, amen. In other words, it descended and lighted upon him like a dove. And so we understand by reading this, there's no contradiction whatsoever in the scripture. It gives us an example really of what it is to become a son of God. This is a foreshadowing to us of what it means to have true sonship that is described in the book of Romans. Amen. Now are we the sons of God. Hallelujah, the Bible tells us. And we read that in 1 John chapter number 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For he, we shall see him as he is. So everything that is occurring here again, the word of God is so tightly woven together. It's given us a depiction of the new birth. It's showing us something about what is to come. There's going to be water and there's going to be a spirit. Amen. That's what it takes to be born again is water and spirit. Just like in John chapter number three, again, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again of water and of spirit. Water baptism in Jesus name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is all through the scripture. I don't just need the book of Acts to prove that you need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But it's proven all the way through the word of God. We see the parallel throughout the scripture even beginning in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. Amen. Notice when, when Noah released this dove, the scripture says that when it returned, first time he released it, uh, the Bible said it went out and returned in so many days and, and, uh, having no place, uh, to light, it, it returned and he took it into himself. But the second time he sent it forth, uh, that it came with an olive leaf. Amen. Now, we all know that an olive branch, olive, olive leaf, is a sign of peace. And that olive, olive leaf was in its mouth. Romans chapter number 14 and verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
I'm going to tell you when the Holy Ghost comes, that's the only way you can achieve those three things that are described there is through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A lot of people try to get righteousness and they don't have the Spirit of God, which is that that brings righteousness in our life. Amen. They try to get holy and they don't have the Holy Ghost to lead them and to give guidance to them and give them the empowerment that they need to overcome sin. The only way righteousness can be achieved in your life is you've got to have a righteous God on the inside. you got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then a lot of people are seeking peace and they cannot experience it. And the only way peace can truly come is through the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. And a lot of folks are seeking joy. They may find temporary happiness and they may achieve that, but that doesn't last a long time. It's the joy of the Lord that remains. It's the joy of the Lord that gives us strength. Amen. Even when circumstances around us are trying to weaken us and trying to bring us down and cause us to succumb to this world system, there's a joy that is on the inside of us that gives us the strength to endure whatever it is that we may have to go through in this life. Gives us the strength to endure and to rise up again. How many times has the devil tried to squash you down? How many times has he tried to put his foot on your head? How many times has he tried to knock you out? But you keep coming back because why? You got the joy of the Lord on the inside. You want to know why we can still be happy with everything that's happening in this world? I'll tell you how. It's because we got the joy of the Lord on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give praise to him right now. But this dove comes back with that olive leaf in its mouth. And when the Holy Ghost comes, it's not by coincidence that he uses the mouth to manifest and give evidence to the Spirit of God being in a person's life. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the initial sign is is that you will speak with other tongues. Acts chapter number 2 and verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began, this is the day of Pentecost, to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It wasn't something that was controlled. It wasn't something that was taught. It wasn't something that was given by instruction. Say this real fast a few times and, and then try to say it backwards and, and, uh, let me, let me warm you up and you gotta prime the pump a little bit here. If you'll say hallelujah enough, uh, you'll begin to speak in other tongues. No. If you say the, the same phrase over and over again, you might get confused, uh, but that doesn't mean that you'll necessarily get the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's as you open up your heart. Uh, amen. It's as you've repented of your sins, you begin to worship and give praise to the Lord. And the Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people. And the Spirit of the Lord comes down. And the way you'll know, amen, initially that the Holy Ghost has came, is that you will begin to speak with other tongues, just like they did in Acts 2 and 4, as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Acts 10 and 46, Cornelius and that Italian band that uh, the apostle Peter was preaching to. Amen. The Bible says these Gentiles had not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. None had received the gift of the Holy Ghost yet. And as he was preaching to them, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came down upon them. And they heard them speak with tongues. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Amen. That's how they knew they got the Holy Ghost in. And, and Simon Peter wheeled around and he told those that were traveling with him, he said they got the Holy Ghost just like we did. Amen. They experienced the same experience we received. They got the Holy Cause I heard them speak in tongues. We can't deny them baptism in Jesus' name because we heard them speak in other tongues. 
Hallelujah. And then in Acts chapter 19, John the Baptist's disciples, when Paul met them, he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard. You talk about some guys, uh, amen, that were out of it. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, they haven't even heard about the Holy Ghost. You can get so caught up in tradition. You can get so caught up uh, in your way of thinking. You can get so caught up in false doctrine. You can get so caught up uh, in denominalism that you can miss the Bible. You can miss the Word of God. You can miss the promises of God. I don't want to miss one promise that God has for me. I don't want to miss one thing that God is endeavoring to do in my life. If it's in the book, I want it. If it's my promise, I claim it. If it's there, I desire it. Come on, somebody ought to give some praise to the Lord. Some of you, amen, haven't moved all service long. How about you put your hands together and lift up your voice like you got the Holy Ghost today. Amen, amen. Now, I've let some of you relax about as long as I'm going to let you relax this morning. Amen. It's time you come alive and act like you're a Holy Ghost filled. Act like you're thankful for what you got. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought not come to church and sit on your hands. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought not just come to church and pat a cake. Amen. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got life on the inside of you. You got something that's real on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, we heard them speak with tongues. Amen. And when Paul laid his hands on these, amen, the Bible said in Acts 19, when he laid his hands upon on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues. I believe the new birth message is water and spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. Why? Why did the holy, or why did the, why did the dove, why did it return and the raven remain? You can be seated. Why, why did the dove return and when the raven was released, why did it remain? Because there was two different natures at play here. The raven was entirely different in what he was seeking. He was seeking the dead. The bloated, decomposed bodies of those that had perished in the flood. The dove was searching for something that was solid. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I want to take your attention over 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And verse number one, it says, moreover, brethren, I would not have that you be ignorant and how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, we're seeing another, we're seeing another type. We're seeing another foreshadowing of the new birth experience and did all eat the spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Amen. The raven, it went out and it looked for the floating decomposed bodies of those that perished in the flood. But when that dove went out, it said, I got to find something solid. I got to, I got to find something that I can light upon that is unchanging. Amen. I got to find something. I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for something foundational, if you're looking for something that does not change, if you're looking for something that's solid in this world that is filled with all, all the flux and all of the, the things that change, it seems that every moment and every day, you can't ever, you can never bake on anything, but you can, you can put your faith, you can put your confidence in a God that is, that is Always, always, amen, there foundationally solid, amen, solid. He is the rock, Christ Jesus. You can stand on here. You can place your faith in him. He does not waver. He does not falter, amen. He does not, amen. He's not affected by all the shaking that's going on in this world, all the things that are happening around us on a day-to-day basis, amen. Our God is not affected by any of that. 
Come on, lift up your voice and let's give him praise right now. The main difference between the raven and the dove was simply appetite, what it was hungry for. In fact, what delighted the raven depressed the dove and detoured the dove. The Holy Ghost-filled child of God cannot survive on what the world survives on. Things that this world enjoys and things this world takes pleasure in and things this world loves does not affect a Holy Ghost-filled person. Carnality and sin, all of the things that the world tries to paint up and tries to advertise and market and to make attractive, a Holy Ghost-filled person can look beyond that and see Amen. In fact, Romans chapter 1 talks about this. It talks about all the murder and sedition and immorality, inventions of evil this world creates. And how that there's those that may not be direct participants in it, but they take pleasure. You can read it. Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. They take pleasure in those that do them. Amen. You better be careful about people in your life that try to influence you and they take pleasure in you being involved in things that are destructive to you. There's always in the world people on the sidelines. Come on. And they get pleasure out of watching somebody else make a fool out of themselves. Pleasure out of watching somebody else get involved in sinful things. The Bible warns us to beware of that type of person. And he rebuked those that took pleasure in those kind of things. Children of the Lord don't feed on what the world feeds on. They're not hungry for what the world is hungry for. They've had a taste of another world. They've received the earnest of their inheritance. They got appetite for things beyond what this world can supply with. And so their hunger goes beyond that. They realize there's deeper meaning to life. Sin is so shallow. Sin is so superficial. Sin, amen, doesn't take into account. And those that partaking in sin doesn't take into account just how temporal life is. And how that it's fleeting. And it's like a vapor that vanishes away in time. Dissipates in the thin air. And we put so much and we bank so much on life and and what happens in this world. When really, this is just the dress rehearsal for what is to come. Eternity. Amen? And so... While we feel the need and the appetite and the craving for such things of this world, if we take on the Spirit of God, suddenly that appetite changes. Our nature, what we're hungry for, what we desire, what our goals are, what our ambitions are, our aspiration, what inspires a child of God is totally different from what inspires I don't know where they're gathering tonight. I, don't, I really don't. I don't know where the, the Super Bowl is going to be played. I just happened to hear that it was going to be played today somewhere. And there's people, thousands of them, and what is not there in body, thousands, millions more are going to be observing. And they're rooting on something that a year from now, they're going to be doing it all over again, trying to find another champion trying to find uh, uh, another victor. And people put so much in these things, and they, they put so much and invest so much of their life into these things that are fleeting, that really doesn't matter in the big scope of things. And the only way that you can truly be satisfied 
and the longing of your heart can be satisfied is for there to be a nature change and a transformation in you so that you get hungry for the bread of life. So that you get hungry for things that last. So that you get hungry. Jesus said, if you drink of these natural things, you're going to thirst again. But he said, I got water to give you, living water, that when you drink of it, you shall never thirst again. Come on, are you tired of having to go back and do it over again and over again and over again? Amen. And it seems like uh, there's uh, there's just a decrease uh, in what kind of pleasure and what kind of satisfaction. Uh, and there's that law of diminishing returns. Uh, you don't get as, as much out of it as you used to. You don't get the high that you used to. You don't get the emotional charge that you used to. You don't, you don't, you don't leave with the same satisfaction that you used to. I'll tell you what you need that'll satisfy you you that will be complete and bring completeness into your life is the spirit of almighty God is the presence of the Lord that's why the Bible says that it passeth all understanding it's hard for us to understand we think that everything has a expiration date we think of everything as having a time limit we, we think of everything in the context of our flesh and we're so finite we think everything has to have a date when it ends and everything has a, a limit to what it can do but that's not so in God's economy that's not so with the things of God that's not so with the spirit of God it doesn't matter how many times he's healed he can still heal here today it doesn't matter how many times He's filled somebody with the Holy Ghost. There's still enough spirit to fill somebody's life here this morning. It doesn't matter how many times you came to an altar and you needed him to touch you. He can touch you again here this morning in this house. God's spirit can move upon you. But this world is never going to satisfy you. Egypt has always been a type of the world. And... Moses, when his mother put him in the Nile in the Ark of Bulrushes, and Pharaoh's daughter came to that same area to bathe, and she heard him crying in the distance. She had compassion, but she immediately realized something. She realized, I have to have something to feed this Hebrew child. I cannot supply the need and the appetite that he has. I have to, I have to find someone that can nurse this child and supply what this child needs to survive. I cannot supply the appetite and the desire that is there. And so at the suggestion of Miriam, there was found a Hebrew lady that just so happened to be Moses' own mother that came and every day she fed him and he began to grow. I'm going to tell you this world will never satisfy your appetites. You'll always end up hungry at the end of the day. You'll always feel empty at the end of the day. You'll always feel insufficient at the end of the day when it's all over with. It doesn't matter how, how, how good the experience was at the time. Amen. At the end of it all, you're always going to be left saying, I need more. There's got to be something more to life than this. There's got to be something more than living the way I'm living right now. I'm telling you, the answer is not found in Egypt. The answer is found, amen, in the Word of God by receiving the Spirit of God. You've got to have the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life. Come on, let's lift up our hands. If you know what I'm talking about, why don't you lift up your hands? Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving right now. Let's feel after God for just a moment longer. Would you help me pray? Come on, church, help me pray right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, reach out to God right now all across this place. Oh, Spirit of the Lord, move in this house. Presence of God, have your way in this house. Spirit of the Lord, minister to needs that are here in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God.
And I'm going to just tell you this. Doves don't thrive in captivity. But only in freedom. Only by releasing them. Can I tell you that the Spirit of God has to be released? Has to be. You have to be open to it. You can't suppress it. You can't. When the Spirit of God moves, if you want the Spirit of the Lord to continue to move in your life, you've got to continue to respond to it. It's not a, it's not a switch you can turn on or off. It's not something like a knob that you can adjust and say, you know, I want this much and I only want it now. It's not a thermostat that you can control. But again, the Spirit blows like the wind and the wind blows where it listeth. Amen. And when the Spirit of God begins to move and the Spirit of God begins to work, you've got to flow with that. You've got to respond to that. Amen. And sometimes it means stepping out here and not knowing what the the second step is going to be. Amen. But if you'll follow the first step and if you'll, if you'll follow the leading of some people say, well, I don't know if, if I yield to God and I surrender, what am I going to do about this? And how am I going to face this? And how am I going to deal with that challenge over there? I'm going to tell you, you get in the cart before the horse. You need to realize that if I'll just follow God where I am today, he'll take care of tomorrow and he'll take care of next week and he'll take care of a month from now. But I can't, I can't get there and tell I take the first step. I I can't have a life change until I take the first step. I I can't be what I need to be until I take the first step. And the hardest step is the first step. The most difficult, challenging step is the first step. Yielding to God. Amen. The hardest part of it is that first initial nudge that you receive from the Spirit. You got to, you got to take that and say, God, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to respond now. I'm not going to stand back and be obstinate. But I'm going to let your spirit move. If you want the spirit to direct you, you want the spirit to help you, you've got to be willing to respond at that moment. Because all moments are not created equal. Again, it's not a, it's not a knob I can turn on or a switch. It's not something I can adjust to my liking. But whenever it is moving, i got to flow with it. Because I may not experience it at the same level again. And I've got to respond to it in the now. Amen. That's why the Bible said now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hallelujah. Faith never operates in the past. We can refer to it when it's been in operation in the past. We can look back and receive inspiration from it and how it's operated in the past. But if we're going to follow God, we got to have now faith. We got to have active faith. We got to have responsive faith. We got to have faith that is willing to step out in the moment and follow God. Amen. There's so much more that I would like to preach here this morning, but I want you to stand to your feet right now and I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to break out of your formality. Hallelujah. Some of you need to break out of your traditional mindset of what you feel and what you think and preconceived ideas and realize that I need the Spirit to move. Tell you what, I I only need a keyboardist right now. I I want us together. I want us together to respond to God. Amen. We, we need to move into that dimension where God is, is, is working and where God is active. Hallelujah. You got to release it. Moses went to that window with the dove and opened up his hand and let it go. There was a desire to see and experience the promise of God being fulfilled in his life. And through releasing this, I want God to confirm his word. I want God to bring to fruition what he desires to do. By releasing this, we're going to hold God to his promise.
Hallelujah. By not holding back and not restraining and not trying to suppress. Hallelujah. Come on, we need the Holy Ghost to work right now. Somebody needs to let it go and yield to God and surrender to God. If problems could be fixed, you doing it, it would have already been fixed. If things could have gotten better, you working with it, it would have already gotten better. If things could change just by your own will and your own abilities, then it would have already happened. But the reason you're here this morning is because you need God. That's the reason all of us are here. And maybe there's a saint of God here this morning that you you see and understand that it's been a long time since the Spirit of God has worked in my life like it needs to. That I've really opened up myself to allowing God to have His way and work as He needs to in my life and yielded to Him and surrendered to Him. I'm going to tell you the same the same yielding that it took to receive the Holy Ghost is the same yielding it takes to follow the Holy Ghost. And it's so easy in the twists and turns of life and the Holy Ghost navigating our life to get off trail. If somewhere or another you want to get back on course, you're going to have to release. You're going to have to release the Holy Ghost to work in your life. you got to be open to be directed by God led by the Spirit of God. You're going to have to be open to saying, God, whatever you will, not mine, not my will that I'm interested in. It's whatever you will, whatever you desire to do. That's what we're interested in. Would you raise your hands all across this place? Let's pray for the Spirit of the Lord to come. Let's pray for the presence of God to have its way. Come on, we need the Spirit to move in this house. We need the presence of the Lord to work in this house. God, you take control. God, you lead and guide my life. Oh, God, you you can lead me out of this. You can direct me through this. God, I yield myself and surrender myself to you. Come on, it's been my bad choices and my bad decisions that has led in a course that has got me into this mess but God you can lead me out of it if I'll let you direct me and if I'll let you guide me and if I'll let you show me the way hallelujah lift up your voice to him right now all across this place all across this house would you lift up your voice to him come on your voice needs to be heard crying out to God calling upon him reaching out to him hallelujah hallelujah Come on, let him have liberty. Let him have freedom in your life. Let him work in your life.